0: Welcome to The Road Podcast, where today, Pastor Rick will be discussing how to leave a legacy of living with joy in the midst of difficulty. Have you ever wondered what people will remember about you when you're gone? We define legacy as the long-lasting impact of our lives on the lives of those around us. Join us as we explore how to handle life's difficulties with joy and leave a legacy that truly matters. Good Good morning. You glad to be here? Wish I was. Some days like that. No, I'm I'm really glad to be here. Really glad to be here. Take your Bible, an iPad, a phone, something that you can read God's Word in. Let's open to James chapter 1, if you would. James chapter 1. And uh, we're in a series called You May Not Be a Legend, But You Can Leave a Legacy. And we've been trying to define what legacy looks like. And we've defined legacy as what other people are because you were around them or they were around you. It's the impact you make on other people's life. And we, we talked about the difference between being a legacy and leaving, and being a legend. Being a legend is about success, right? And we have bought into that. Be very, very careful. As a people group, even churches have brought into. let's be a success so we can become a legend. But if you follow Scripture, the Scripture leads us to become significant so that we leave a legacy. And there is a huge, huge difference in those two. And we've been uh, looking at those things in life we want to pass on to the people around us, our, our families, our mates, uh, those people we walk with spiritually. And uh, in life is a lot like a, a picture, Right. You start thinking about the people who impacted your life. You don't remember everything in their life. You remember a snapshot. You remember a moment. A picture, if you will, of something significant. How they responded. And it doesn't always, right? Because we talked about that first week. Sometimes those pictures aren't positive pictures. Sometimes they're they're ugly pictures. But we remember them. And that's the legacy we leave. We're going to talk about a very specific picture today. We're going to talk about the picture of how you and I respond when life gets hard. Somebody takes that snapshot of us when life is difficult, and what are they going to remember? And we want to try to leave a legacy of living with joy in the midst of difficulty. Take your Bible. We're going to read three verses, starting in James chapter 1. We're going to read verses 2, 3, and 4, and then we're going to try to unpack what this scripture says to us. Consider it all joy, brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance uh, have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Let's pray together. Father, uh, we need you for a lot of things. We need you to be holy, because we can't do it. Uh, We've tried. Uh, Father, we... uh, we need you to endure the, help us endure the pain we're going through, the difficulty, the season. Uh, Father, the truth is we need you for everything. Just take some of us a longer time to get there. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us uh, take another step toward that. Father, open our eyes today. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So if you're going to leave a legacy, the first thing that James tells us is leave a legacy in reality. Uh, this comes from verse 2 where James basically said life is hard. Life is hard. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, I, I think life is hard. If you listen to me, you'll hear me say often. Life is hard. And it does me good to see that somebody in Scripture is not just saying it's not hard if you pray enough. It's not hard if you need to read enough Bible because that's what we do as a church, right? Matter of fact, there are whole belief systems built on the fact, look at me and listen to me, that if you are where you need to be spiritually, nothing bad will ever happen to you. Well, that's a lie. That's a lie. If you don't believe it's a lie, ask Jesus, who had some really difficult things happen to him. Ask, ask Paul. It's just not true. So it does me good, and I'm not a pessimist, because people say, Brother Ricky, you're a pessimist. No, I'm a realist, right? I like my life. I like my wife, I like my kids, I like, the, I like my job, but I understand life can be hard. Life can have seasons that are incredibly hard, and this is all that James is saying. And he says it using the word when, and this is what he's telling us. It's not if life will be hard, it's when life will get hard. It's a reality, it is a promise about life. It's talking about the frequency of difficulties in this life. And uh, our spiritual life is not a get-out-of-jail-free card. There are still hard and difficult things that come to our life. And here's the truth, because there will be a school of thought that says, become more spiritual and life gets easier. How about this? The Bible says become more spiritual and life's going to get more difficult. All those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, right? We're going to talk about why it gets more difficult the further we mature spiritually in a few moments. But I've stood with a lot of people who have gone through some of the most incredible things ever. My wife and I were talking and, and, and about people who go to church here and, and how much can they take? But right, you have these families, and it just seems like they get hammered and hammered and hammered, and it just keeps happening to them. And you you step back and you look at it and you go, how much can they stand? And every now and then somebody will look at me and they'll say, Pastor, what what did I do? What did I do to deserve what's happening to me? Well, I have your answer for you. Ready? Sometime you're going to ask that question, so I have your answer. So you better get your pen ready and write this down because this is good. You breathed. It is the fact that you are alive that guarantees you're going to have difficulty in this life. So I want you to say this with me, right? Because I'm alive, life will be hard. Because I'm alive, life will be hard. Now I want to stretch you and make you think a little bit about this. Perhaps trouble can be a beautiful thing. Perhaps difficulty can be this incredibly beautiful thing. So how are you teaching the people around you to see adversity and trouble and difficulty, right? So in your family, let's just talk about your family. When something hard happens, maybe the washing machine breaks or, or maybe, maybe a bounce a check or the car breaks down. And those are just right. Those are not that hard. But when that happens, what do you do? How do you act when hard things come to your life? Because here's the deal. If you respond with anger, man, you just lose it because the car didn't start today the people around you are going to learn to be afraid of adversity and difficulty oh i hope nothing bad happens today oh i hope nothing bad happens something happens right and you just let go with some language man just bloom, bloom. and the people around you are going to learn that difficulty is something they should avoid please just, i hope i hope what what are you teaching the people around you who are watching about how to handle difficulty. Because this is what James says, count it all joy. Right? When was the last time your washing machine broke down and you looked at the family and said, all right, (laughs) the car's not running again. No, no, doesn't happen, right? It doesn't happen like that. He's talking about an attitude, not necessarily a, a response, And uh, he tells us that life is going to be filled with so many bad and hard things. He uses the word various. But in the Greek language, it's an interesting word. It's poilakos. And it means multicolored. Some of your Bibles will even say various colored. We've talked about that before. Multitudes of colors of difficulties. And what he's trying to say is it's just really more than your mind can imagine. The number of hard things that could come to you. You know, scientists tell us that there are eight. 18 decibillion colors out there. That's 18 with 33 zeros behind it. Your human eye on its best day can only differentiate about 1 million of those 18 decibillion colors. By the way, would a million colors, wouldn't that be a beautiful thing? I mean, if you just opened your eyes and there were a million colors in front of you, you'd be going, you'd be overwhelmed by that. Can you imagine 18 decibillion colors? And here's what James says. The problems and the difficulties that come to our life come in varying degrees of this incredible colored tapestry. This is life. And what if, what if real beauty were found in hardship? Think differently. What if the most beautiful things were found in the hardest things? You say, what are you talking about, pastor? It is through hardship and difficulty that the oyster produces the pearl. It is through pressure that coal becomes a diamond, right? The sweetest wine comes from the crushed grape. You go, but oh, the whole grape is so beautiful. But it's nothing unless it's crushed. And you find those people in life. Hang with me. And life has dealt them blows. Right? Life has tried to crush them. It has taken stuff from them. It has been hard for them. And if they don't let the hardship defeat them, watch what they become. They become something incredibly beautiful to behold. They are humble. They value relationship above everything else in life. You'll know them because they'll value you. They understand grace. And not only do they live in grace, they extend grace. They become this incredibly beautiful human being because of what they've been through. An easy life does not make you a beautiful person. There is beauty in pain. You go, well, I, I'm not sure I believe that. Then look at Jesus and look at the cross. And the most beautiful act that's ever been done was done in the midst of pain and suffering. There are two truths I want to pass on. I want us to look at the life of Joseph from this. Here's the first one. Hard times come to every life, even the blessed. Um, Joseph was a blessed guy. Genesis chapter 39 verse 6 says that he was handsome in form and appearance. So that just means he looked really good. Brad Pitt up here, right? And and form and appearance means that he was also built like incredibly well. And so when he walked in a room, all the ladies gasped, right? I mean, he was a good looking guy. His father blessed him. His father had all these sons. Joseph was the youngest. His father looks at him and says, I'm going to make you the best of all. I choose you. So he gives him this colorful coat. Normal people did not wear colorful coats in Joseph's day. That meant you were part of the administration. You were part of the elite. You walked out and told other people what to do. So get this. All these boys, and Daddy picks the youngest one and says, you tell the rest of them what to do. Oh, what a setup for a mess. But blessed But how he looked, blessed by his father. And then you got to admit he was pretty blessed by God. This guy goes from a prison to being the prince of Egypt. Pretty blessed by God. Here's what I want you to see. And we're going to talk about the other half of his life in a moment. All of those things in his life did not keep difficulty from coming to him. And you may be the blessed one. Right? Maybe maybe God blessed you with beauty. Riches. Talent. I need you to understand. That your blessings do not exempt you from hardship. It still comes to life. The second truth that we're going to learn from Joseph's life is about the seasons of life. Life is seasonal. Don't waste the season you're in. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was at uh, the men's Bible study on Friday morning. And we're working around our table, answering questions, reading scripture together. And, and somebody makes the comment about life being seasonal. And, and I said, you know, some seasons we choose, right? And then some seasons are chosen for us. You need to remember that. That'll answer a lot of questions in your life. You choose some seasons, good or bad. But then there are seasons that are chosen for you that you didn't have a voice in, right, at all. Those are chosen for you. And I, write that, I wrote that down in the back of a little book where I, I write stuff down so that I wouldn't, uh, so I wouldn't forget it. Because when I looked at the life of Joseph, the number of seasons he went through, they were incredible, Right? Until he was 17, life was really good for Joseph. It was a season of just wonderfulness. No problems at all. He was the king of the hill, all that stuff. But at 17, all of that changed. He was thrown in a pit, sold into slavery, a season of slavery. Then he had a season of management. Then he had a season of prison. Then he had a season as a prince, right? Then he had a season of restoration where God brought his family back. And finally at the end, you see him with his grandsons on his knees. And he had a season of relaxation. If you step back and you look at the seasons of Joseph's life, you're going to see there are about 10 of them. About 10 different unique seasons over the course of his life. And here's, here's our problem with seasons, because you're in a season right now. And some of you may be in that season of prosperity. Some of you may be in a season of poverty. Some of you may be in a season of pain. Some of you may be in a season of relaxation. Whatever season you're in, what the Bible would tell us to do is not waste it. Because here's what we do with seasons. Oh, I just got to get through this. Well, what if the goal wasn't you just getting through it? What if the goal was you getting something from it? What if you stopped and paused long enough to look at this season and ask the question, God, what do you want me to get from this? Whether it's an easy season or a hard season, don't waste the season. Secondly, Legacy means we live for something other than this moment. And the key phrase here, uh, word in this this next verse, verse 3, is the word knowing. Uh, The Greek word here is used to describe knowledge that we've already attained. So get this. He is not teaching something new. Right? He is not going to go, and this is going to make your life make sense. Here is the secret to the universe right here. You just didn't know it until now. No, this is what he's saying. You already know. You already know, knowing this. So the question becomes, what do we know? Last week when Matthew was preaching, he made an incredible statement. I hope you wrote it down. That we don't need to learn something new. We need people in our life encouraging us about what we already know. This is exactly what James is saying. You already know. Well, what do we know? We learned something already. Life is hard. We know that. But the second thing we know he's about to tell us, and that is this, that all of our pain has a purpose. The testing of our faith has a purpose. Now, how do we know that? Please listen to me. I do the best I can that if you're a person who's outside of faith to make this make enough logical sense that you'll give it a chance. Here's one of those moments. If you do not believe what that book says, then life is random and meaningless and the pain in your life has no purpose. It's just pain. Life's just hard. We know that pain has purpose for one reason and one reason alone. This book tells us it does. Because I will promise you when you 're in the middle of it, you're going to feel like it doesn't. you're going to feel like none of this is making any sense. We live by truth. Listen to what Scripture says, Psalm 66:10. "For you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver." Pro- Proverbs 173 the crucible is for silver and the furnace for gold, and the Lord test our hearts, Romans five verses three and four. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance, character and character hope. So here's what happens. When difficulty comes to life, it reveals what controls us. And there are two things that can control you: emotions or truth. That's it. And when life gets hard, right? The reason we cuss when the washing machine's going out of control? When the car doesn't start, because we're being emotionally controlled. Right? Ah! And what emotions do? They scream. They scream. What does the truth do? It whispers. It whispers. Right? The truth's not going to kick down your door. Your emotions will kick your door down. But the truth whispers. Right? Now watch this. This makes so much sense. Emotions are part of the natural man. Truth is part of the spiritual man. And there's your difference. Right? I'm coming unglued. Man, that that natural man is screaming at me. Right? Or all these things are happening. And I'm able to get perspective. Because what's guarding and guiding my life is this. That is why we tell you so often. Man, be in the Bible every day. Every day. Every day. Every day. Get in that Bible reading plan. Do something in God's word every day. Because this is the source. The North Star the source of guidance in our life. Endurance is produced as we're stressed. No matter what you want to build, you stress it. You want to build a muscle, you stretch it. You want to build endurance, you stretch your cardio. Uh, So why does endurance matter? So today is the big marathon. And we've had some people down there running. Uh, Suppose that I told you I'm going to go run the marathon. I just decided this morning. Get get up, right? And you're going to go, you done lost your mind, all right? And so I start running, and if I made a mile and quit, nobody's surprised, right? We knew you'd quit. You just decided to do it this morning, right? You were dumb. We never thought you would finish. What? We never thought you would finish. Let's just use that phrase. We never thought you'd finish, right? Start it, never going to finish. But suppose by some miracle, I run 25 miles. Now if I quit, it looks a lot different. You believe this guy got up this morning, ran this race, never ran a race in his life. He's got 25 miles. I start going, guys, I'm going to have to quit. No. No, don't quit. You're 1.2 miles from finishing. The end is closer than you think. Listen, push it. Push it. Don't quit. Whatever you do, don't quit. You see, the longer you're in the race, it looks a lot different when you decide to quit. Right? And some of you guys, I mean, people make the decision to follow Jesus, and next week we never see him again. Nobody's surprised. It's a long race. You aren't ready. But you run that race for 10 years, I'm going to watch, watch what Satan does. He's fixing to up the pressure in your life. Because it's a much bigger deal if you quit. So life doesn't get easier the more mature you become. It gets more difficult. You're a high prize target now. And Satan, man, he loves for you to follow for 20, 25 years and throw in the towel. They just don't show up no more. They just walked away. And that's tragic. That's tragic. I'm going to show you something here, how life kind of works. Let's say that uh, this is your life. And this water that's going in, this good clean water, that's all good, right? Good whatever. Good marriage, good life, good parenting, good job, good church. It's whatever you're looking at your life and going right now. It's good. It is good. Whatever it is, right? Checking account. It's all good. It looks good. Life works to make sure this doesn't stay good. It's working on it right now. It doesn't want your marriage to be good, your parenting to be good, your finances to be good. doesn't want your spiritual experience to be good. So what does life do? Well, life comes along and takes a big old dump of dirt into your life. There it is. I'm going to stir it up a little bit. Get it in there really good. That's difficulty. That's hardship. And we go into panic mode when that happens. Right? The phone call rings today. You go into panic mode. What do we do? Man, we, 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 we want to get through this. So Got to get it out. 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 So what happens? You start spooning this stuff out. Because our approach is to deal with the difficulty. Right? I want out of this pain. I want out of these circumstances. But every time I take a spoonful of the pain out, I'm taking a spoonful of me out. I need you to see it is that you can work so hard to avoid the pain that there's nothing of you left eventually, that the cup's empty, right? And this is when people start to say things like, you changed. You're not how you used to be. Well, I've worked so hard to avoid the pain in my life, I don't know who I am anymore. And, and, and I'm going to show you a different way to think about this. I want to show you, and I need to move this stuff around a little bit so you can see. That rather than trying to avoid the pain and take the pain out of life, what if we put more good into life? What if we spent more time with God, more time in prayer, and we just started to, well, look at that. Now, stop right there. About half of the ugly that was in life is gone. Not because I dipped it out, but because I put more good in. Are you with me? Right, we take the wrong approach. Now, I'm going to pause for a second. Some of what I put in there is heavier than other, and some of it went to the bottom. These are the big things, right? The floaters, right? Oh, I was having a bad day and I did my Bible reading plan and I'm having a great day. That's because the stuff you're dealing with just wasn't very big. It wasn't. You're dealing with little stuff, it just floats right off the surface. I did my minute in the Bible. I'm good, right? Your mate leaves you. Your kid gets sick. Doctor looks at you and says, cancer, that's heavy stuff. It goes to the bottom. And spending 15 minutes in God's Word won't get rid of it. It's possible to get rid of it. Right? What you've got to do for the big stuff that's in your life is you've got to flood it. I mean, you've got to flood it. And I'm going to tell you there's nothing left. I'm all wet now. Sorry about that. (laughs) There's some stuff in life that doesn't come out easily. Okay, listen to me. Jesus knew that. And he looked at his disciples and he said this. This kind doesn't come out easily. This kind comes out with prayer and fasting. Flooding your life. Number three, and we're done. Leaving a legacy means the goal of life is to be like Jesus. So as you think about your legacy, um, what your life is teaching the people who are around you, what is the goal of your life? Well, we're at church, and the, there's two answers. And the church answer is, the goal of my life is Jesus. And, and to love Jesus and be like Jesus, that's the church answer. And when somebody from church asks you, that's what you tell them. But the real answer is what your life looks like. How you living? When people look at you, does it look like the goal of your life is Loving Jesus, living for Jesus. Or does it look like the goal of your life is comfort? But we're in love with our comfort. We're in love with it. Or is the goal of your life success? Is the goal of your life wealth? What does it look like the goal of your life is? Because, listen to me, legacy is what people become because they're around you. And you're passing something on to your kids and on to your friends because they're around you. And it doesn't matter what comes out of this when they're looking at life. So what is the legacy we're leaving? What does it mean when James says that we're to be perfect and complete, lacking nothing? What are we lacking? Well, we're lacking Jesus. Jesus. Right, what is incomplete in our life is anything that's not like Jesus. What is imperfect in our life is anything like Jesus. And here's what James is saying these troubles, trials, pains, difficulties come to our life to remove what is incomplete or imperfect in our life so that we can become more like Jesus, be perfect and complete. That last phrase, lacking nothing. Wow. Jump back to Joseph for one second, we're going to be done. Did Joseph lack anything in his life? That's a question. Look back at his life, yes, he did. So he was a jerk. Uh, He was an absolute jerk that nobody wanted to be around, right? So he's this brother and he's got this coat and he's strutting around in this coat and he's telling everybody what to do and he goes, oh by the way, I think I have a dream? You guys all bow down to me, isn't that a great dream? And then the next day, hey guys, guess what, I had another dream. Nobody wants to hear this dream, right? It was the same thing. You guys are all bound down to me. You know what? Even Daddy knows it because he made me this coat. Brutal. What a horrible brother. Prideful beyond imagination. Well, you know what the cure for pride is? It is the pit. So in he goes. I want you to listen carefully. Once he came out of that pit, that kid never had a problem with pride again. Never. Watch this. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Where's the pit? So what... What is lacking in our lives? Learned in difficulty. That's one of your blanks. But leaving a legacy means you've learned the value of life's pain. So pain and heartbreak, disappointment. Uh, They're all part of real life. So listen to what I'm going to say. Close your Bibles. There's nothing else to write down unless you want to write a note. Because I think this is heavy. Is that we live in an environment that tells people if you just knew another verse, you wouldn't feel the pain you feel. If you prayed harder, you wouldn't feel the pain you feel. Right? And I'm just telling you it's not true. There is not a verse that's going to take away your pain. And there is not a prayer. If it was, Jesus would have prayed it. And he begged his father not to let that cup have to go through that cup, that experience. And he did. Paul, I have begged you to take this thorn out of my side. There's not a prayer you can pray, Paul. There's not a verse that's going to make it feel better. Then why? And this used to drive me crazy as a pastor because people would come in with these heartbreaking stories and I felt compelled to fix them. What can I do? Here's a verse. (laughs) You want to pray? I still, I still, I still, I still feel, feel bad, Pastor. Well, that's because, listen, if the pain's not going to leave, right, if there's not a fix for the pain, then what is the purpose of pain? Right? Because you and I have mistaken the gospel's goal as making us comfortable. And it is not it is making us like Jesus and there's a big difference. And if you're still crying out to God to make you comfortable, you just hadn't quite got there yet. You with me? Right? He didn't, Jesus didn't come to make life easy. He came to take life over. Huge difference. So what's the purpose of pain? If it's not gonna go away, here it is. To remove what is imperfect. What is lacking? So that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Would you bow your heads with me? I do not know uh, what may be going on in your life right now. There's always hurt and there's always pain in varying degrees. Um, So it's pretty safe to say there are people here who hurt today. If you are one of those people, I wanna challenge you to think about two things, two things. Number one, if you're in the middle of some some incredible heartache, who's watching? Who's becoming something because they're watching you go through this? And what are they becoming? The second thing, if you find yourself in that place, You don't have to be there alone. I mean, every every week for the past few weeks, we've been praying with people. And I'll just, I'll be really frank with you. I don't know that anybody's circumstances changed. The pain didn't go away. But what happened is this. They realized there was an army of people who were surrounding them, praying for them, and loving them, and that made the difference. That changes things. So maybe today you'd say, I need to pray. And the last thing, maybe, maybe your pain has driven you to Jesus. Maybe for the first time ever you've looked at life and said, I can't do this alone anymore. That you would be willing to pray the prayer we open this service with. And that is simply this, I need you. I need you to be holy. I can't do it, I've tried. I need you to walk with me through this pain through this difficulty, because I'm just, I don't think I'm going to make it without you. Matthew is here with me today. And if you'd like for us to pray with you, if you'd like for us to share Jesus with you, you want to plant your life at a church, this is the time you respond. Father, thank you so much. You've been really good to us. God, I ask that, uh, man, you just sweep over this place, speak, give us the freedom to respond in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? Thanks for joining us at The Road. If you'd like more information about things going on at Choctaw Road Baptist Church, visit us at theroad.tv or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theroadcrbc. Have a great week.